killed it. <laughs> For once. So easy, yeah. <laughs> Say something. <laughs> what did you have for breakfast? <laughs> uh, what did I have for breakfast? I skipped breakfast today. Ooh. And I had a lunch I had. It was a really weird sandwich. It was like a tuna <laughs> tuna beef. I had some fried mushrooms on there. Um Hello and welcome to Word Up Podcast. I'm Evie. And I'm Webster. And today we are here with Sass. Hello. Hello everyone. This is Sass. <laughs> <laughs> so happy to have you here. Thank you for coming all the way from Maastricht. Always good to come here in Amsterdam. <laughs> it's, uh, it's like my second home. <laughs> oh, that's nice to hear. And uh, can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Well, um, it's hard to box me right now because I've been doing a lot of things. But if there are three things that come to mind, I would say uh, artist, advocate, and teacher. Okay. Yeah. So the first two, what, that's what I do when I'm not... Uh, um, the last one, teacher, is what I do when I'm not Batman. So, <laughs> so the other two is like what I do on Right. What on type of side. art do you do exactly? Um, I actually consider myself a writer. Right. And then right, and for about a year now, I've been exploring uh, DJing. So I've been um, playing in squats in Maastricht. Oh, wow. Yes. What kind of music do you play? Uh, usually it's techno. So, wow. Yeah. I would not have imagined you as a techno kind of person. <laughs> Why? <laughs> just, just from meeting you. Why? <laughs> I don't know. I just, like, when I think of techno, I just think super hardcore ravers. Uh, and maybe you are that But person. what do I look like? <laughs> you look like a very nice, polite lady. Oh, my God. <laughs> do, I, do, I, do I exceed that aura? <laughs> no. I don't know. Tell us. Maybe not. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I need to be corrected. No, I'm not usually that. <laughs> if, I, if I exceed that, I'm, I'm not really sure how I come off to um, appear to others. So, right. Yeah. And, um, well, I know you as an artist. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Can you tell us a little bit more about your art and uh, what inspires you? Um, well, I've been uh, writing um, poetry for, for quite a while now, and a lot of things inspire me. Um, but usually they are m mostly about, you know, um, the th in the themes of falling in love, love, um, a bit of eroticism and a bit of spirituality on the side. I've been reading a lot of um, mystical poets, so I'm really inspired by the way they write because it's always so erotic. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> so it just burns your soul while you read it. Um, yeah, and um, of course, my experience as well. My, my everyday experience. I usually write when I I have this um, um, overwhelming emotion that I'm feeling, and and usually writing is one of my outlets. And then last year I discovered like you know DJing became an outlet for for releasing um, that um, bubbling emotion inside mm -hmm. of me. So yeah, because sometimes you know emotions can be so unbearable. Yeah. So you need an outlet in order to to make it more bearable. 
Right. And uh, do you find that uh, since you DJ, do you write less or? No, actually, um, it, it kind of, uh, you know, cross-pollinated each other. Oh, nice. Right. Like I, I usually const- um, um, construct my DJ set following a narrative. So I really prepare okay. a lot. Like um, I, I do my transition just like how will I do a poem. So I and then the music helps me write better because, you know, it, it improves my um, my sense of melody, mm-hmm. sense of rhythm. So it's they're cross pollinating each other. Right. Wow. It's kind of like a storytelling throughout yeah, I think um, yeah. If if I if I would um, really um, summarize what I've been doing, it's really about storytelling. Because even in my advocacy, that's really my medium, storytelling. Even when I teach, right, it's really um, about storytelling. And even when I write a poem, so a lot of my poem really are like stories being told. So it's 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 um, narr- the narrative structure is really present in whatever I'm doing. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, so maybe I'm just a storyteller. And is it fictional stories or experience-based or? Well, most of my, it's always uh, experience-based. So, um, of course, they are fictionalized, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. You, you let your imagination run wild, that you Im- imagine how, how things could be. Right. Right? If, if things t- um, took a different turn, and then you imagine how it would be. Right. Right. And where are you sourcing uh, your inspiration from? I know you said you usually have something that you want to get off your chest. Does it have to be something negative or do you get positive stories out that you want to share as well? I usually write more when I feel an overwhelming positive emotion. Okay, <laughs> right. right. Um, or when, when I process already the negative um, emotion that I'm feeling. And then when I'm already at peace at, uh, with it, and then that's the time that I start to write. Um because I have been through a lot in my life, so I have a lot of materials <laughs> to choose from. And I think I'm, I'm just like a kind of person who like to experience life a lot. So I, I have been through a lot as well. And that kind of enriched whatever I'm actually doing, not, not just when I'm writing or, or when I'm DJing, even when I'm teaching. Like you, you need to make um, these things more human for them, for, for, for the students to learn better. And usually I use my own um, experience in order to convey a, a better message for them. Wow. For our audience who doesn't know you, can you tell us a bit about yourself? I, I feel like we've jumped a step. And we don't know your story yet. Uh, how did you get to be here uh, in the Netherlands? Uh, and how did you get to teaching and doing art and sharing your stories? Well, I'm Sass, uh, and I'm originally from Manila, Philippines. I was uh, born in Manila, but I always say that if I were if I was born in Manila, I got born free in Amsterdam. Um, I'm actually a trans woman. I'm a transgender Filipino woman, and it was actually here in Amsterdam that I had my operation done. So it was just like being reborn in Amsterdam. That's why I always feel so alive whenever mm. I come here in Amsterdam because it's just like, you know, you, you felt like, okay, this is actually where I started um, to live fully. Right. And um, I've been an activist um, doing advocacy work on transgender rights in the Philippines since I was 19. Mm. And I'm already 37. Actually, not yet 19. When I was 18, so oh. it was I <laughs> <laughs> Wow. Yeah. One year earlier, um, 
and I started doing that be, uh, be after I committed suicide. So I attempted I attempted suicide when um, after graduating high school. It was also the time that um, I came out to my to my mother, and I was like. Um, and then he, she didn't understand it, mm-hmm. right? So she, it was a mixture of fear, um, ignorance, etc., all bottled up into, um, into, into this human being. And then he, she related to me through that, so she rejected me, <clears throat> and she kind of gave me an ultimatum that um, either you stay in my house, I'm gonna pay for your education. But you have to follow what I would like you to be, and that is that you have to live for like a man, and then you just do whatever you want to do if you're already rich or whatever, or you do whatever you want to do, but you have to leave the house. And I just graduated from high school during that time, so I was just like kind of confused, etc. And I just broke up with my ex-boyfriend, my my first boyfriend, and then everything was just like, oh my god, my world is falling down. And then I attempted um, suicide by hanging. It was December 2000. And then I was like so prepared to die. I prepared the song list that I would like to be played in my funeral, what I wanted wow. to wear in my funeral. It was just like really, you know, I'm, I'm prepared. I called a friend of mine and I just told, told him that I'm, I'm, I'm gone. Like, this is the last time that we're going to talk to each other, etc. And then while I was like hanging and I already, I was already feeling like my, my body going numbed. My, my ears were like popping right. like you, you I could hear already hear the sound of a flat lifeline and then it was just like something inside of me just like struggled <clears throat> to live and and then of course <laughs> I succeeded <laughs> and then when 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 I came down from 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 being hanged I was it was just like some some sort of realization like um I'm sure there are other people like me going through the same thing. So why don't I just use my life for this? Because before that, I was like already interested in trans issues. So in, in high school, um, I studied an exclusive school for boys. So Catholic school for boys. And, <laughs> wow. then, and then when I had a, a boyfriend that became a scandal because he was just so open. He was just like, I'm not ashamed. I think them being Buddhist help a lot. <laughs> so they were just like, okay, we're not under your, your doctrine, we're Buddhist. So, um, yeah, and then that's, that's the time that I, I started dealing with this. And he was also supportive. He, he bought me a book about it that we saw from a music store in the Philippines. And then, so I had already some sort of knowledge about to go about it. And then from that moment, when I had that realization after I attempted suicide, I just like, you know, went full throttle. Like I, I, I left my family and then lived for some time in public park. I met a lot of people along the way. And it's just so amazingly that I kept met, um, meeting people that just lead me to the one step to the next step. So, yeah. And then I, I, I've co-founded, um, the pioneer transgender rights uh, advocacy group in the Philippines. It's called the Society of Transsexual Women of the Philippines. There was no organization before. And then, so I, I co-founded it. And then, yeah, and then it's just, one thing just led to another. And my studies was put, was of course put in the back burner. And um, I'm, but I always wanted to live in the Netherlands. I always wanted to live in Europe, like, 
if there's anywhere I would like to live, it's in Europe and Netherlands. And then I met, uh, uh, I met my ex <laughs> in Copenhagen during a conference, right? He was like visiting Copenhagen and he's Dutch. And then it's just like, okay, maybe this is a sign. And then I, I, I started living here in 2011. So I went back to school. And then after graduating, I, I, I applied for a job in Maastricht University and became a teacher. Okay, that's quite yeah. a journey. That is yeah, an amazing of course, there story. are a lot of things that happen in between, but yeah. uh, that's, that's it in a nutshell. <laughs> that is an incredible story. Yeah, I'm, I'm quite amazed of what I've been through as well, right? Sometimes you, you surprise yourself that, oh my God, I've been, I've been through so much shit and you're still like standing. Mm. <laughs> and it's amazing to hear you speak about it so clearly and honestly. Was it always that easy to, to, speak, to speak about that? I think one thing that... Um, it's, I never find it hard to speak about my experience. I think what I find it hard to speak about was just like some of the traumatic, only, I think only one traumatic experience that, I, that I've gone through that it took me a while to actually vocalize it. And it was actually my, my first boyfriend who actually learned about, about that. And he, I was just like breaking. I think I, I, his love actually made it possible for me to, to break open and to, to start accepting what happened and to heal from it. So yeah, that's why I always believe in the power of love. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, um, yeah, I think it's, it's because I'm, I consider myself as a very reflective person. So that's why I don't really, um, I don't find it hard to, to talk about um, these things. Yeah, it sounds like your story to me. It's kind of like the phoenix being reborn. You have that, to be broken. That's why to... that's my tattoo. <laughs> wow. I had it tattooed in my arm. I didn't know that. <laughs> right? So, yeah. Wow. Because, yeah, it's kind of like, is this also somewhere where your poetry comes in that? Like, through that? Also the story of... Because I remember when you sent me the concept of one of the performances, it was about... Um, Nirvana and like yeah and two yeah. yeah yeah can me can you tell us more about that yeah it was originally my concept for 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 um, word up outspoken uh, yeah outspoken yeah. event in um, folks hotel um, it was actually about being born with two 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 bodies yeah um, the the because usually when we speak about the trans experience or the, the classical transsexual experience it's about being born in the wrong body yeah. or being being trapped in the wrong body and that and and that um, trope actually do not speak do not speak to me and i feel that very disempowering mm. because for me your body is yourself right if you say that in your brain you are this your brain is part of your body mm-hmm. right and then as i go, as i learn more about you know the, the transsexual condition and then one of the the theory is that our brain actually has its own body map, right? And it develops differently from our own body. And then it just so happened that, you know, um, some people's body map do not correspond right. to, to, to their um, physical or our external body. And then that, that, that actually inspired me to think, okay, I was actually born with two bodies, right? right? And, and these two bodies felt disconnected um, with each other. So I'm not trapped. I just happen to be born with two bodies, right? Right. So it 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 
it was a very empowering notion for me of, you know, not thinking of myself as wrong. You know, I don't want to think of my body as wrong. It's just like what it is, right? And, and yeah, that's, that's the entire um, idea behind the concept of the two bodies. Wow. Do you think uh, recent social movements have made it easier for trans people uh, uh, to, to just be and to come out and to live as they are? Or is that something that's, I don't know, how do you feel about it? Well, in the Philippines, we've, we've always, um, there was always this space of living openly. Um, I think in, in, in but it, you are relegated into a certain, you know, layer of society. Um, in the West, definitely people coming out and speaking out um, made it possible for a lot of trans people to come out. But I think one, one thing that's really missing is that, you know, um, experience understanding trans people in, as, as everyday people, right? So when, whenever, and that's what I also lear, um, learned throughout the years when I was engaging in advocacy, that I think it's even a f some, some, in some way um, a shortcoming of the advocacy itself, right? Like, for example, the Netherlands. The Netherlands is like a really advanced law. However, in everyday experience, you know, the people do their minds are still like as if this development didn't happen. So I was just like, so why is there a discrepancy? I think it's because, you know, what what's that what's happening on top was changed but you know the how people imagine um life has not changed right. right so that's why this kind of representation is necessary because if you if you if you do not change you know how how we imagine and see things then how can you know everyday life would follow through yeah, because you can change laws, but you can't make people think a certain way. Exactly, right? you cannot legislate uh, people to imagine yeah. life, right? So you you can sue them, etc. But if what they they're seeing in, let's say, for in, on television in movies is just this, like those are the primary medium of representation, right. then nothing, no no change would would happen. And uh, when you were going through your process, did you have someone to inspire you or to help you? Did you have someone that you were looking up to or or you had to go through that just with by trial and error and just... Well, I had... Uh, because the, the in uh, it's already part of Filipino culture to be close to, right? So we were kind of like herd culture. So in back in my school, we the, the older batch, they were already like telling me when I was just like 12, oh, before you, when you turn 13, you should take hormones already so that you, you, you wouldn't rest up the masculine, you, you wouldn't be masculine, etc. So they, they kind of taught me, you know, which hormones to take because in the Philippines back at the time, at the time, you can, you can buy it over the counter. Wow. Without wow. prescription. So it was so easy to get it. So the, the pitfall is that you don't have medical supervision, right? So, wow. so yeah, so I started like at 13 and then, yeah, it just, um, but, but I fully like, um, medical, socially, socially, I started transition, transition, like really young. I never, I never really lived my life like as a boy, even though I was like studying in an exclusive school for boy, I was just like, okay, I'm just like a girl <laughs> in an exclusive school for boys. Right. So, so. That's why I never, I didn't have that 
identity crisis that that they always portray on television like one day that they woke up like oh am i am i a boy or a girl never never happened to me but the full medical um um physical um transition it happened here in in the netherlands because it's it's um covered by the the national um, healthcare system right so yeah that's great yeah it is <laughs> <laughs> do you have advice for people who are in your situation or who are thinking or feeling lost or cannot connect the body with the mind or feeling born in more bodies than one i think my first advice is not to hate yourself right it's uh because if if you hate yourself that's i think that's that's the beginning of every every negative thing that would happen to you right um because at the end of the day you would you would you you will be with yourself right so as much as possible appreciate yourself appreciate your body mm. you know you do have two hands your your body is not just centered in your genitalia right, right you have two hands you have two eyes you have nose you have like lips you have you have all these amazing things that you know um that that, that are part of you right your body is a product of billions of years of evolution right that you hate it just for one for one simple thing yeah. it doesn't make any sense so i think that's that's um that's my number one advice that to find a way to be grateful right to 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 what they say like count your blessings yeah. right no matter how 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 simple it is because it will help you get through life so i hear you have a poem to read for us Oh yes, I do have one. Um so I actually wrote this poem um very recently. It's based on um the very overwhelming experience that I um I had um earlier this year. The title of the piece is May your heart be lighter than a feather. He was a star whose beauty I only admired from a distance. but the fates pulled a thread stitching closer the fabric of space-time between us and we found ourselves dancing together in the great darkness of the school of life it was the first time i heard him talk of the stuff that makes him smile and i could feel the beats of his heart as he sprinkled our conversation with what gave his life purpose If before he was a star that night he was a fireplace in a cozy smoke-filled room crackling with so much joy as we spoke about the meaning etched on our bodies as he spoke of our shared interests i observed as his skin glowed with the pinkness of a sunset in the hague that once awed me his eyes were a never-ending well of aliveness i wish he could see what i saw even when he was just talking about tequila traffic and tea he was dazzling because of all this wonder i must be turning so moist that i turn into an oasis attracting lots of thirsty creatures but i wasn't interested to be their watering hole as i was fully absorbed 
by his state of intense aliveness. I was a sea of swelling waves reflecting his incandescence. A bonfire lit as I felt the heat of his breath licking my skin to life. When he started kissing me, gravity went wild. Then rain. His heart was light as starlight, but now it was heavy as a dead cold fish as he wrapped himself of guilt for being simply alive. What was once a star collapsed into a black hole, shredding everything in its path. My mind wanted me to be angry, but my heart resisted. To be someone's object of desire is also to be someone's space of freedom. When you awake someone to their flesh, you set them free, it said. You are object, now be that space, it commanded. The mythology inscribed on his body told the story of what happens after we die. Our hearts will be weighed against a feather. When the heart is heavier, one cannot live in the afterlife. A heart frozen by regrets, weighed down by denying what keeps life fresh, flowing, flourishing, will always be heavier than a feather. For anything as dead as a feather will always be heavier than a heart that's alive, unbounded, undaunted, a heart that beats unapologetic yes to life, its flesh, its soul, its chaos, its dance. <laughs> thank you for sharing <laughs> you're welcome <laughs> that was wonderful oh thank you so much <laughs> can you tell us about the poem how you came up with it what's the story behind it um it was of course based upon a very romantic supposed to be a romantic moment right um so um it's i i, I saw this guy who i'm knew from my past like a decade ago and then it was the first time that uh we went out and you know we we connected a lot and more than that we both expected to and just it's just the wrong time right um he he is in a relationship so it was like oh my god why am i in this situation yeah so um so it it that 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 experience became um, it, it was really an overwhelm. It, it's still very fresh right now, so I, I'm kind of stuttering talking about it. <laughs> but um, it, I had to process what happened, right? Because it it felt like you you are being put in in a situation that you are already exploding with so much passion and then suddenly you felt as if a you know a bucket of ice got thrown into you right so it just it just died suddenly so i was like processing what happened but he helped me process it right he was a real gentleman really really nice guy um but he's just you know anyone who any human being right i think as you grow older we become more um, understanding of human frailty right yeah, so yeah. I was just like you know I was understanding I was like um, understanding what's going on and I just like told him that do not overthink it you know um, 
shit happens. And of course, I just told him that I, I hope that I wasn't put in the situation, but it already happened. So, um, so he helped me process it. And while I was processing it, you know, I, I got inspired to write. Um, a lot of things that, that that's there, as I told you earlier, I was like, you know, really interested in forming a narrative. So it's really about what happened all throughout the night, right? Um, uh, and the symbolism there are things that we talked about. Um, and when I was like connecting the dots of what happened, I was like, it was actually a very poetic experience. <laughs> so I, would, I might as well write something about it. Mm. So yeah. <laughs> That's the amazing thing about being an artist is you can take experiences like those, whether it's positive or negative, and turn it into something that we can also take part in. <laughs> yeah, I think that's part of the artist's um, temperament, that you find the exquisiteness in everything, right? Pain, joy, what have you, right? And then you convert it into something beautiful, right? So. I think um, that's something that I develop all throughout the years, like when I'm experienced. That's why I think I do, when I talk about something in the past, no matter how dark they are, I do not talk about it as if I were depressed. Mm. Right? Um, my psychologist, the psychologist who, who actually um, attended, uh, who actually guided me, guided me all throughout the process of physical transition, was like, well, I was talking about a very traumatic incident in my life he she was just like you you look so well adjusted that you just talk <laughs> about it as if like you know it was nothing but it's really really heavy i was just like well it's just like something that i already processed mm. right maybe wrote several poems about right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah it's an amazing ability to be able to go through an experience, step back from that experience, and then look at it with kind of fresh eyes. And I think that's something that lots of people need to do, whether you went through a traumatic experience or not. Um, because I'm, 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 uh, I consider myself a Buddhist, especially Zen Buddhist. So I, I, I do a lot of um, uh, reflective exercise, meditation, etc. So that kind of helped me like, mm. you know, observe myself from, from, uh, from a distance. And then, um, and that kind of helped me actually go through a lot of things. And it's kind of also like you disassociate, dissociate with yourself without that person. You're someone new because you went through that, and then you became better, stronger, more creative. I don't know. Like it's it's new things that you put on yourself, right? It's yeah. Like, I think more just just more alive. Yeah. Right. Um, it just. Because pain makes you feel that you are alive. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right? It really does. <laughs> so I think it just, you know, just made me really more alive. That's why when I'm experiencing pain, I do not try, I do not drown it. Mm. I do not drink to drown it. I do not like do drugs or let us I really experience it, like really yeah. experience it fully. Like what it is, what how heavy it is. Yeah. And then, so that I would, I would have a more peaceful relationship, let's say, with, with my own pain. Yeah. Like even when I had the, the, the surgery, I never really had um, uh, painkillers. Wow. My, my painkiller was just like ibuprofen. Can you imagine a very, <laughs> a very major effect? <laughs> and then I, because I really wanna wanna experience, you know, the pain. Right and mm. go through with it, 
because I it will just it will pass right either I die with it or or, right, or yeah. you know I came out uh, stronger out of it so I, I really want to experience the pain fully so that's why I always like my friends know this like when I cry I really cry right. and then they're, they're, they're oh my god you're like falling like let me experience this if I'm gonna be like distraught I'm gonna be distraught right it's a very conscious way to let yourself go through that because pain or any emotions is like waves but it's still the same water right like it's still part of the construct exactly because I think a lot of us have this very um negative and antagonistic relationship mm. with pain right and that makes it more painful <laughs> Yeah, but it's also like society does not really celebrate pain in that way because we are all very hedonistically minded in a way, in many ways, right? We always um, think about pleasure, right? Like, like um, um, what attracted me to techno are those DJs who have a really good dance philosophy that they are not there to 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 make the dance floor as a space of escape, but for people to confront their reality. So a lot of those are the DJs that inspired me and actually inspired me to construct my my set according to that. That you know, it's not about um, making you escape reality, but mm. you confront it and have a catharsis because you have fully engaged with your reality. All right. Yeah, I was thinking about that earlier today, how um, I spend so much of my time trying to block out things, you know. If I'm alone and I'm cooking, I'll put on a podcast so I don't have to be alone with my thoughts, you know. Or if, you know, if I'm in pain, I'll take a painkiller. Do you think people today are too uh, sensitive to pain and that we do need to to take a, a, a page from your book, effectively, <laughs> <laughs> and feel more uh, of what life throws us and able to process it? Or is it just, you know, is it like a symptom of the modern age where you have all these tools around to quickly get rid of uh, any discomfort. Yeah, I think um, a lot of people are being sensitized to pain, right? They're being they're they being pampered, and that actually weakens them more, mm. right? Um, I don't know if you know Jordan Peterson. Yes, <laughs> this really controversial guy. <laughs> I love and then him. I just and then just found out recently that he was actually suffering from clinical depression, and then he got um, addicted to the antidepressant mm -hmm. so i was just like thinking can you imagine this guy who exude himself as being strong etc is actually going through a really really difficult uh phase in his life that he has that he was struggling for a long time and i just realized that and then you are telling us to be strong <laughs> and then you cannot show to us how it how we can be strong because you are drowning your own pain. So I was like thinking, you know, we need to be more authentic about what we are saying, right? What what we are putting out in, in into the world. We cannot just say that, okay, life is happy, etc. And then at the same time, we do not believe the message because we do not live hmm. live the message. I think that's that's a very important thing. So yeah, I think people will need to to to, to feel more, right? Um, they say that you know if, if the if you know the the heart and, and the heart yeah the heart is also located in your brain <laughs> like the heart and the mind must be in sync and and you, you are a sentient being mm. right you must feel something right otherwise you, you otherwise you you already died at this age and you just get buried when you 
when you're already physically dead. Yeah. So you need to feel more and appreciate more life itself and understand life that life is really shit. And <laughs> it's really shit. Like I'm, I'm look. I, I know a lot of people who who are in a good situation. And then when I became intimate with them and then see how they live, I was like, you 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 are shitty as everyone else. And then, <laughs> so it's just like you know, just um, one of my favorite authors is Joseph Campbell, and one of the things that he said was like, participate joyfully in the sorrows of this world. So even when you are, when you are going through a rough patch, you know, cons- participate joyfully with it and realize that you know it's. I think sense of humor would would really help us a lot in going through things, and that's why I made this ritual that the first thing that I do upon waking up it's is watch a stand-up comedy so that nice. you know I begin my day laughing hysterically that whatever <laughs> shitty thing that goes through my day I was like already like happy from the start right so I was just like okay I can handle this that's a great idea so. yeah. yeah I like it <laughs> Pete's going for a jog anyway <laughs> <laughs> Um, speaking of uh, your processes, uh, can you tell us about some of the other things that you do in order to, I guess, uh, prepare yourself for the difficulties of life, as you mentioned? Like, what grounds you uh, outside of your art and comedy? <laughs> outside of art and comedy? <laughs> I think it's just like about, um, uh, because I'm a, an introvert person, really introvert, like you... <laughs> Oh my God, he's not agreeing. No he's way. not agreeing. I'm not getting that vibe from you right now. I would say I'm introverted. But... No, I'm really, I'm really an introvert person, and um, and I, I love spending time alone. Um, I, I can talk in front of a huge crowd, but after that, when when people interact with me, um, especially not in an intimate setup, I really get tired really really get tired like oh my god i need i need you more go time. back into your shell yes <laughs> exactly and um a habit that i formed when i was a kid um because i live in a very dysfunctional family like if there's more dysfunctional family than my family i'm gonna give you an award <laughs> <laughs> so the the form my how i um how i survive it is through what i call um um looking through the different windows like I, I use my books, I, I, I watch films and, and, you know, I experience life and then made me imagine that another life is, is possible. So that's, that's been part of my process, like really opening and experiencing life in, in different perspectives. And that, you know, that makes, helps me as well to um, make life, my own life more bearable because I know that things, things can be different. Mm. Right, so can, you just need to be a little patient. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, what you're saying is just to shift the perspective sometimes because maybe you're looking at it in the wrong way, or there is no wrong way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there, there are different ways of looking, you know, at something. No, I really like that metaphor about the windows and uh, kind yeah. of creating a different perspective all the time. Exactly. Just you know, being more aware about possibility. Yeah. Um. That's that's um. That's what I've, I've been. I think I'm kind of lucky as well, right? Because mm-hmm. I grew up with the internet. Like, 
<laughs> the first time that there was an internet in the Philippines. <laughs> so I, because I, I consider myself as really a, a hungry person. I'm hungry for knowledge, etc. Um, and then I just kept on researching, and then I was like, oh my god, another life is possible, mm. right? So that kind of helped me, you know, um, kind of helped me imagine and. And kind of live it as well, right? My, because my imagination is so wild that I think that I'm already living what I'm imagining right. in some way. Yeah, because you have to embody your dreams before they happen, right? Like exactly. To... That's the thing. That's yeah. the thing. <laughs> <laughs> embody your dreams. <laughs> wow. Yeah. So what are you excited about in the future? Uh-huh. I'm excited <laughs> to moving here in the Netherlands, in the Netherlands, in Amsterdam. Yeah. yeah, because I currently live in Maastricht and Maastricht is so pretty, beautiful, but boring. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. And because I consider Amsterdam as, as, as my home, right? I was born free in Amsterdam and um, my contract ends in, in August next year. So I'm, I'm actually preparing for, for that. So yeah, so that's what I'm excited right now. That's so, the most immediate future. <laughs> the world is me. your oyster. <laughs> yes, and I actually a lot of um, projects in, in my head right now that I would like to actualize. Um, I like to write. I'm actually in the process of writing already a lot of stories that feature trans characters because I'm like I'm thinking, okay, if there are not enough re- good representation, why not do something, yeah, yeah, yeah. right? So I'm I'm now actually have different storylines that I'm working on right now. So that's what I'm I'm excited of how they would turn out. Yeah, we are on the edge of our seats. Yeah, <laughs> stay tuned. <laughs> stay tuned. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Thank you so much for being with us today. Um, uh, where fans and people who are curious about you can find more information about you? Uh, well, I do have my own SoundCloud. So, <laughs> so SoundCloud, my SoundCloud is SAS, that's S-A-S-S-0527. And of course, my, my own, um, my Facebook um, is just SAS, uh, Rogando Sasa. So that's S-A-S-S-R-O-G-A-N-D-O-S-A-S-O-T. It's in, it's in my SoundCloud. The link is in my SoundCloud anyway. <laughs> That's the easiest one. So yeah. Um, and oh, another thing that I'm, I'm working on right now is like I'm developing this like um, series of DJ sets inspired by different, um, different things that I encountered in my trans advocacy. So they're like celebrating um, triumphs, struggles of trans people in different cultures. And I'm so happy that um, it's been reposted by Female Pressure. I'm, mm. I'm, 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 I'm happy about what's going on with, with my, um, my quote-unquote DJing uh, project. Nice. <laughs> so, yeah. It's popping. Yeah. Yeah, I would say that. <laughs> well, thank you very much for speaking to us. It's been really, really wonderful. You're welcome. And thank you for inviting me. Of course. <laughs> And for our listeners listening at home, uh, you know where to find us at www.wordupodcast.com, where you'll find past episodes as well as information about our guests. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Bye.
I forgot what I have to say all the time. You forgot. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good way to start. Yeah. Right? I don't know. <laughs> the pressure. 